At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Good morning. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kurt McDonald. I am one of the pastors uh, here at Gospel Community Church, uh, and it is my great privilege and honor this morning. I'm very, very excited to be here with you because I get to open up uh, God's holy, inspired, and uh, inerrant word. May he add his blessing to it this morning. Well, obviously it's here. If you haven't figured it out, Christmas is here. You have most likely climbed into the attic uh, and removed those boxes labeled Christmas. Uh, unless you're a procrastinator, you have set up the tree, or some of you crazy folk have set up the trees. You have like four trees in, uh, in each room. Uh, most of you have gotten out the ornaments and done all that. Maybe you even went to a Christmas party wearing an ugly Christmas sweater. Uh, some of you have some days off coming up, which you're looking forward to. Some of you have watched your uh, favorite Christmas movies. Uh, and and uh, some of you have, like, if you're like me, uh, you have several family events to get to, which means the next several days is scheduled down to the very last second, so you can make sure you make it everywhere uh, that you've got to go. And soon, soon and very soon, your entire living room will be a disaster. Uh, there, there will be wrapping paper uh, everywhere. Uh, there will be boxes strewn all around the floor. Dads will be assembling toys and inserting batteries. Moms will be making lists of what does and does not fit and what needs to be returned. You will go to a family Christmas party where uh, Aunt Carol will say something very inappropriate. Um, un- <laughs> Uncle Ronnie will be in a political debate with anyone who will listen. Your cousins will drink too much. You'll most likely engage in gluttony and uh, you'll be incredibly exhausted. Does that sum it up for anyone? Yeah. All right, cool. You can raise your hands. You're in church. Be honest. And, and, and in just a few days, listen, in just a few days, it all goes away. The, the, tree, the tree disappears. The, the presents are put into their proper places. All the decorations go back into the box and back into the attic waiting for you again next year. Christmas seemingly disappears. Now, maybe not the few extra pounds you added on during Christmas, um, but, but Christmas itself uh, seems to disappear. And, and I wonder if you have stopped to consider why. Why, why do we do all of this? I mean, why, why climb up into the attic and get out all the boxes and go buy all the presents? Why uh, is it that we, that we do this? And, and so uh, just answer that question in your own mind right now. Why do we do this? Right? The, the first answer that maybe comes to your mind is, well, we do all this because it's Christmas. You know, you, you, this is just what we do. It's, it's Christmas. And so, you know, why, why, did it, why did I put up the tree? Well, I put up the tree because I've got two little girls that bug me to put up the tree. That's why I put up the tree. Maybe, maybe that's your answer, but, but probably because you guys are in church this morning, you know, you know what the answer should be. You, you know the right answer. You know the church answer. So when I say, why do we do all this? Why do we have all this Christmas stuff? You know, well, of course, it's, it's about baby Jesus, and it's about the virgin birth, and it's about the incarnation, and, and it's about, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. And you, you know that uh, in those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all should be, you, you know all of that. You know that's the, the right answer. 
answer is that it is supposed to be uh, about Jesus. Now, if that is the case, if it is supposed to be about Jesus, then why is he mysteriously missing from most of our celebrations? If it's supposed to be about Christ, then why is, is all of our tradition so devoid of Christ? That, that's what's so curious about the whole thing. Is that, that's what's so curious about doing the tree and getting the presents. And, and we all know the right answer is supposed to be it's all about Jesus, but it's really not all about Jesus at all. It's about something totally different. You see, there's, a, there's an actual a functional reason. The actual reason is Christmas is supposed to be about Jesus. But the functional reason, the actual thing that we're trying to do, that, that we're celebrating, is something altogether different. So here's what Christmas is functionally about. Or here's what we have made Christmas functionally about. We've made it about the family. The family. Well, um, why do you buy, or who are you buying all those presents for? Well, you're buying them for family. Who are you going to open up all those presents with? The family. Who are you going to eat all that food with? The family. Uh, who, who did you decorate the Christmas tree with? The family. Who's going to be standing at the bottom of the ladder when you climb back up in the attic putting all the stuff back? Well, it is your family. We have taken something that is supposed to be about Jesus, and, and especially here in the South, we have made it all about the family. That's what it is functionally about. So there is an expectation around Christmas time that you are going to be with family. That's the expectation, right? That what was home alone all about? Being together with family on Christmas. That was, that was the whole thing. And, and I would submit to you that if you go back and think about it, maybe there's some exceptions, but most Christmas movies are about family and being together. And if that's not the major, that's not the major theme, it, it's certainly one of, one of the minor themes in, in most Christmas movies. It's about the family and being together um, with the family. So there, there is this expectation around this time of year that you're going to be with your family. Now, here's the other expectation. Okay, so the great expectation, we're all going to be with, we know it's supposed to be about Jesus, but really we've made it about the family. You're supposed to be with your family. Here's the other expectation, that when you're with your family, it's going to be great. It's going to be happy. It's going to be fun. Uh, there's going to be no awkward drama. The whole family is going to be wearing matching PJs, holding hands, sipping cocoa by the fire. It, it's going to be filled with warmth and love and hope and meaning and purpose. And all of that is being derived from your family. That's the expectation that we're given at Christmas. This is what we have absolutely made Christmas about. We're going to be happy. We're going to be filled with joy. And it's all going to be surrounding the family. The massive problem with that whole thing staring us all directly in the face is that your family, just like my family, is insanely complicated. Uh, I, got, I got family members in here that just hollered amen because they know I'm one of the big complications. <laughs> So, so we all have these jacked up, messed up, complicated families, less than idyllic, but we're expected to be with our families on Christmas, and, and it's supposed to be uh, happy. So it's clear, it's clear that the traditional idea of family is becoming more and more fractured, but we must also understand that the family was initially broken back in the garden. Are y'all with me this morning? The, the family was initially fractured. The family was initially broken way back in the garden. So even, even the people in this room right here that, that would maybe some of us from the outside looking in would go, man, you guys have a, a great family, an idyllic family. It, it, that, that family, if they're honest, would still say, yeah, and we're still real complicated and messed up. 
because of what happened back in the garden. You see, Adam and Eve decided that they knew better than God. They decided to disobey God, therefore bringing sin into the world. And once sin came into the world, not only did it destroy and fracture creation itself, not only did it destroy and fracture man's relationship with God, but it also destroyed and fractured the family relationship. That happened back in in the garden. From that point forward, the Old Testament portrays this idea of family as less than less than idyllic. This is just from Genesis. Brothers killing each other. Uh, polygamy within the family. Rape within the family. Incest within the family. Family members stealing from each other. Brothers selling other brothers into slavery. And that's just in Genesis. That, that's what happened uh, in in the family. So even people who have happy families or together families are still incredibly broken and not perfect. So whether your family is idyllic or hellish, wonderful or a nightmare, comforting or painful, whether you're looking forward to family gatherings or dreading it all together, here is what you need to know, church family, for taking notes. The family is not a firm enough foundation to build your life on or a holiday around. In addition, the family cannot ultimately bring you hope, meaning, or purpose, so the focus should be on the one who came. Amen. Now, by, by me saying that the family is not a firm enough foundation to build your life on, those of you in the room who come from a very difficult family background to, to where there's been abuse, where there's been abandonment, that statement makes a ton of sense to you. You're looking at it going, of course. I'm not building my foundation on that. It's way too unstable. But for those of us who come from maybe a more idyllic family or a more happy family, we need to understand how fragile the family really is because even the best family, the greatest, the happiest family in the world, the very core of it, the very foundation of it can be shattered with one phone call. There's been an accident. The, the very core of even the happiest family can be shaken by one diagnosis from a doctor. And so the foundation of family is not strong enough for us to build our life on. The, the family, the family unit is not powerful enough to give us meaning, purpose, and hope. And so we must look to the one who can. That is the God-man, Jesus Christ. Okay. So, uh, Pastor Kirk, are you saying that we should not celebrate uh, Christmas with our families? Well, no, of course not. That, that's not what I'm saying at all. Okay, well, well, then how are we to understand this idea of, of Christmas and family and, and what we're actually supposed to be doing? Well, I've got two uh, kind of big ideas or two big thoughts for you uh, today. It's kind of a because of this thing, now this thing. So just hang with me. I'll go ahead and give you the big idea if you're that type of thinker. Here we go. Christmas is about Jesus, born of a virgin, on a mission to redeem his people through the cross, adopting us as sons and daughters, reshaping how we view family. So by virtue of the cross... Uh, by virtue of, of Jesus redeeming his people, by virtue of being sent by God the Father on a mission to die on the cross in our place for our sins so that we might be brought into God's family, a forever family, it now reshapes how we view our earthly family. So did you know uh, that, that maybe some of your earthly family is actually not a part of the forever family? 
I have members of my earthly family that are not a part of the forever family. I pray for them. I beg God and ask him to work his mighty will in their lives. But I am connected to a forever family, meaning I will be together with those who are believers with Christ. He also talks about it this way. He also calls us not only just a family, but a building made up of stones. He says that we are uh, a royal priesthood. He, he calls us a nation. Again, it's all surrounding this idea that we are in, if you're a Christian, you're in God's family. You're, you're, you are a son or daughter of the king. And by virtue of that, it actually reshapes how we view our earthly families. How does it, how does it reshape it? Here, here it is. How does it change how we view our family? This is the second big idea. Because we have been adopted into the family of God, our biological family is not ultimate, nor is it insignificant. It is now an arena for self-sacrifice. You guys, you guys did not get that because somebody should have stood straight up and hollered amen. Because if you understand this concept, it radically changes how we view our families. And, and, and let me just make a sidebar really quick. A lot of these ideas that I'm, I'm discussing today uh, come from a book called uh, The Storm-Tossed Family. It is right here. We actually have it uh, in the back uh, at, at the, the bookstore in the back if you're interested. Last-minute gift idea. Uh, again, give it to a crazy family member. Maybe it'll help. Anyway... Um, <clears throat> So, so here, here's what I'm talking about. Because we have been adopted into the family of God, our biological family is not ultimate. Here's what I mean. Men in the room, your father's opinion of you, your earthly father's opinion of you is not ultimate. The fact that you were abused by your father, abandoned by your father, is not ultimate. Women in the room who have been verbally or emotionally abused by your mothers, that's not ultimate. It's not ultimate. Every parent in the room, your self-worth is not dependent on whether or not your kids obey you Amen. or grow up to be something great by the world standards. Family Biological family isn't open. Now, on the other side of that, it is not insignificant. It is, it is monumentally significant. It is so significant. We're going to talk about exactly why it's significant. It, it's not ultimate, nor is it insignificant. And so, therefore, now, on, on understanding that, getting that idea in my head that family is not ultimate, nor is family insignificant, now that gives me the opportunity, the avenue, to go in and serve my family because I cannot... I cannot serve my family in a way that they need to be served if I'm dependent on them approving of me. Hello, somebody. If, if, I, if I'm only serving them so that they serve me, that's, that's bad. That doesn't work. If I'm only affirming my family members so that they'll affirm me, if I'm looking to them to be my hope, my meaning, and my purpose, then I can't truly serve them. I can't truly love them. It's only on the basis of understanding that my family is not ultimate, nor is my family insignificant. It is only on that basis that I can truly love them and truly serve them and truly point them to Christ. Amen. Okay, that's the sermon. I'm done now. Uh, so here's what... Here's what I'm going to do in, in, our, in our remaining time is I, 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 want to get, I want to give you the gift that keeps on giving, which is the scriptures. Amen? So let's get into, I want to get into the word here and, and let's just walk through Galatians um, and, and take a look at what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here uh, in, in Galatians about what it means to be adopted. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, <clears throat> 
See, y'all aren't with me today. I, I need some help today. Y'all got to help me now. I said, verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come. Amen. You see, it wasn't haphazard. Uh, it wasn't j- just by chance. Uh, you know, he just so happened to. No, no. This was uh, in eternity past planned by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit for Jesus to show up at a particular point in time in history to come as a baby born of a woman so that he might redeem us. It was a particular time in history. Now, uh, no, they did not have the internet. Uh, No, they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. No, they didn't have social media so that it could be broadcast out. You know, uh, hashtag he's here, hashtag he's risen. None of that. They didn't have none of that. But what what, what it was, it was the exact perfect time for him to come. Now, you could say that it was because uh, Rome had expanded and, and given peace to, uh, to so much landmass, and, and uh, they were able to, to have roads, and, and because of that, they, they had a common language and so on and so forth, so the gospel would go out. That, that's all well and good. That, that's a great argument, but here's what we do know. It was God the Father that planned it to be at that particular point in time in history because God is sovereign over all. As a matter of fact, God is sovereign over everything in your life and has planned and put things into place to happen whenever he wants them to happen. But that's a different sermon. Verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, here it is, God, God, that is God the Father, sent forth his son. He sent forth his son. Now, when it says son, it does not mean that there was a time when he did not exist. So, so some of you fathers in here, you have a son, and there was a time when he did not exist. But that's not what that means. That when it says son, he sent his son, it means that he is of the same substance. He is, uh, Jesus is of the same substance as the Father. And so, again, in eternity past, God predestined to love you and to adopt you as his son or daughter. He was thinking of you before he hung the first star in the sky. He decided to love you. He decided to chase you. He decided to bring you to life, spiritually speaking, so you could see his beauty, his glory, his majesty, and how amazing he is so that you would follow him and have meaning, purpose, and joy. He decided that, and he sent his son so that that could happen. Now, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. Not only was he sent forth in full deity, he was born of a woman, 100% God, because he was sent from God, having shared the same substance with God, but he was born of a woman, meaning he was 100% man. Now, the reason that he is fully God and fully man is because we need a mediator. So so some of y'all's jacked up family situations seriously needs a mediator. This is like that uh, on steroids because of how far we had separated ourselves from God. And we needed somebody to step in and mediate between humanity and mediate between God. And so that's why Jesus is the God-man born of a virgin. He, he takes one hand and places it on the shoulder of God the Father and takes the other hand and places it on our shoulder and mediates between the two of us, bringing us together so that we might be adopted as sons and daughters of God. But when the fullness of time had come, y'all don't want me to preach today. That's fine. I'm just going to keep on preaching anyway. Born of a woman. Born under the law, meaning this, Jesus was required um, to, to obey all of the Old Testament law, and he did. That's, that's the crazy thing. He does it. Not only does he obey all the laws, he obeys all the laws with a joyful heart towards God his Father. See, I can obey some laws, uh, but that don't mean I'm happy about it. Um, But what Jesus did is he obeyed all the laws with a joyful heart towards God. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, listen to this, to redeem those who were under the law. Okay, we had this requirement over our heads that said, you have to obey the law. Okay, now, there's a bunch of them. 
Let's just talk about the ten briefly. I won't even name all ten. Let's just see how far we get down the list. Uh, don't have any other gods before me. Has anyone in the room ever loved something more than they've loved God? You failed. Um, uh, how about don't make any idols? You, you ever uh, worshipped something, given, given something, your time, your talent, and your treasure over God? Okay. Um, uh, how about this? Don't lie. <laughs> uh, how about this? Don't steal. We're like, well, Pastor, I never stole nothing a day in my life. Have you always given uh, your tithes and offerings to God? Oh, boy, it's getting real quiet in here. Uh, how about do not covet your neighbor's stuff? Oh, let's not talk about that one. Um, <laughs> so so we're, not, we're not even all, all the way into the list at this point, and we're already all out. Listen, me included. I don't make the list. I'm out, and so are you. And so Jesus comes, obeys the law, so, so that we can be redeemed, not under the law, but under grace. So that we can be adopted into the family of God, not by our performance, but because of the work of Christ. Mm -hmm. Amen. But God, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. So that we might, oh, mm, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Do you know what that means, church family? This is not an individualistic society whatsoever. When it says that we are a part of God's family, we've been adopted into God's family, it means that we have everything that he has. It means that we share in all the things that Jesus has. It means that all the beauty, all the glory, all the majesty that is Jesus now belongs to us because we have been adopted as sons and daughters of the king. That's what Jesus came to do. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit God has sent his spirit of the son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Once you are adopted into the family of God, you get the spirit of God, which indwells you, which totally transforms your, your whole person. I mean, you, you, are, you are a new creature, a new creation, so that what happens is you begin to cry, Abba, Father. See, you would, on your own, you would never cry, Abba, Father. On your own, you would cry uh, power. On your own, you would cry sex. On your own, you would call out to, to authority. On your own, you would call out to your career. On your own, you would call out to your family to fix you. But, but because you get the Spirit, you cry, Abba, Father, showing your total dependence on Him, not dependence on your family to meet all your needs. Amen. Okay. Um, what happens then uh, is, is this. If you're, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Jesus is the son who becomes a servant so that those of us who are servants of sin might become sons of God. Amen. Jesus is the son, God's son of the same substance. And what he does is he lowers himself to become a servant. Why? So that those of us who are serving sin, we might be able to be called sons of God. That's, that's what that uh, passage is, is teaching us and, and, and talking to us about. Again, if you're, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Christmas should not be a celebration of our biological families. It should be a celebration with our families focused on Jesus. Okay? And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, especially here in the South, that the, the family is the sacred cow that needs to be sacrificed. Now, when you look at a verse like this and you, and you take into consideration all it is that we have in Christ, 
that now we're joined together as Christians as this forever family, does that mean that your biological family is insignificant? Well, oh, certainly not. Certainly not. No, no, no. That's not what we're saying at all. We, we have been adopted into the family of God, but our, our biological family, our earthly families, are still incredibly significant. And, and here is why. Let's look at what uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. He says this, Husbands, <clears throat> love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is a command from Scripture for husbands to daily die in service to their wives. Amen. Now, why would he give that command? Shouldn't the command be, um, everyone, stay single so that it's not so difficult, so that it's not so trifling in your life, and, and, and daily sacrifice for God? Why isn't that the command? Well, because of what he, y'all don't know, I'll tell you, because of what he goes on to say, because of this, uh, further down the chapter, he says, Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, quoting from Genesis chapter two. You guys knew that when you won the Bible Jeopardy. Verse 32 says this, the mystery, this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's why family is so significant. Family's not ultimate, but it's insanely significant. Why? Because as, as a husband devotes himself to his wife, pours himself out to his wife, loves his wife, it becomes a picture of the gospel. It becomes a picture of the gospel to the husband. He sees that, that as he sacrifices himself for his wife, that's exactly how Christ sacrificed himself for him. As the wife watches her husband devoted to her, she understands more about Jesus' devotion to her. As the kids watch husband and wife being devoted to each other, the kids understand more about Christ as, you're lo as the lost and dying world, as your coworkers see these two people deeply in love, deeply committed to each other, they see the commitment of Christ to his church. That's why it's so significant. Amen. That's why it's incredibly significant. In addition, uh, it's not just the husband and wife relationship that shows off the gospel, that shows us who Jesus is. It's also the, the, the kids and the parent relationship. Just look at what Jesus has to say in Matthew 15. He's, he's speaking to the Pharisees. Uh, he, he's actually kind of getting on to him a little bit. For God commanded... Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, oh, this is, so he's saying, the Bible says to honor your father and your mother. But, but here's what the Pharisees were saying. The Pharisees were saying, if anyone uh, tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he has no need to honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You see what he's saying there? Jesus is saying, look, you got to honor your mother and your father. That's what the Bible says. But what the Sadducees and Pharisees were saying, uh, oh, no, we're, we're not going to help out our parents. Um, any money that would have gone to our parents to, to help them in their, in their aging, uh, you know, we, we've just given all that to God. He's like, the Bible says honor your mother and your father. You got, you, this is what you need to do. Give them honor. Why? Because as, as children give honor to their parents, it shows what it means for us to give honor to God. That, that's the picture. So you have this beautiful picture of Jesus and his church in, in the husband and the wife. And then also this other beautiful picture of children honoring their fathers, giving honor to their fathers, just like all of us should be giving honor to God. This is why family is so significant. It's not ultimate, but it's not insignificant. It's crazy significant for those <clears throat> exact reasons. Now, <clears throat> if, you're, if you're taking notes, jot this down. 
The cross says you are not defined by your biological family. You're not defined by your biological family, but by God. He says who you are. Now go and serve your family. I know, I know some of your stories. I know the brokenness in this room. I know the brokenness that's in my own life because of family. And if we're going to understand how to get to a place of healing, we need to understand that I am ultimately defined by what God says about me. I'm not ultimately defined by my biological family. You're not ultimately defined by the abuse that you have suffered. You are not ultimately defined by the neglect that you have felt over the years from your family. You're not ultimately defined by even having a great dad who pointed you to Jesus or a great mom that loved you and prayed with you and prayed for you. You're ultimately defined by who God says you are. And if you're a Christian, God says you're an adopted son or daughter. Have you pointed your biological family to Jesus this season? Or or is he lost? Is he lost somewhere behind the presence in the tree? And he's in there somewhere, but but behind the the Christmas ham. And he's... Have we pointed our families to the reason that that we're doing all of this? Again, for others of you in the room, you've been deeply wounded by a family member. And that pain is absolutely real, but you need to hear family is not ultimate. They do not define you. If family is not ultimate, they are not insignificant, you can find your pathway to healing and forgiveness. Soon your living room will be a disaster. All the presents will be opened. Dads will be assembling toys and inserting batteries. Moms will be making a list of what fits and what doesn't, what needs to be returned. And in just a few days, it all goes away. The tree will disappear. The presents will be put into their proper places. All the decorations will go back into the box in the attic. And I wonder if you've stopped to consider why. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, that you would be the center, that you would be the center of this season, of our celebrations, and not only of that, Lord, but of our lives, that you would be at the very heart, the center of everything that we do and everything that we say. Lord, in this moment now, I know there are people hurting in this room, that this is a difficult and painful topic. And so, Lord, I pray now, in the power of the Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to hurting hearts this morning? There are deep father figure wounds in this room right now. Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit to minister healing there? There there are women who have been deeply hurt by their mothers. We've been hurt by our parents, Lord. Would you send that healing? There are parents in the room that have been hurt by their children, said 
difficult, painful, hard things, have, have done things that have caused the parents pain, Lord, would you send the healing power of the Holy Spirit to mend Mend the hearts of those who've been abused. Mend the hearts of those who've been neglected. Mend the hearts of those who've been forgotten. In the power of the Holy Spirit, do that great and powerful work now. We pray, Lord, that as we go forward in this season, we would not make family ultimate, but we would make you ultimate in all that we do and say, make it so, Lord, make it so in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.